Welcome to Facts Roundtable, a podcast dedicated to navigating life with food allergies across the lifespan. Presented in a welcoming format with interviews and open discussions, each episode will explore a specific topic, leaving you with the facts to know or use. Information presented via this podcast is educational and not intended to provide individual medical advice. Please consult with your personal board-certified allergist or healthcare providers for advice specific to your situation. Welcome. My name is Caroline Moasasi, and I'm FACT's Roundtable podcast host. I'm honored to take on this role with FACT, as I'm also a passionate allergy and asthma advocate on the national and international level, a parent of children with food allergies, and the founder of GratefulFoodie.com. We're sitting down with Jill Midland, a parent of a rising college sophomore, to explore Jill's top five tips for preparing for college. This special podcast is presented in two parts to allow ample time to provide you with real-life college stories and conversation. We welcome you to part two. Jill Midland is a practicing attorney who resides in Port Washington, New York. She practices in the area of commercial finance. She received a Bachelor of Arts from the University of Pennsylvania and a Juris Doctor from the Brooklyn Law School. Jill is a member of an Outcomes Research Advisory Board regarding food allergies and is also an active food allergy advocate. She has been involved in drafting legislation and school guidelines for caring for students with food allergies on a county, state, and national level, including the Voluntary Guidelines for Managing Food Allergies in Schools and Early Care and Education Programs, published by the Centers for the Disease Control and Prevention. Jill co-founded the Food Allergy Support and Education Group of Long Island over 15 years ago and has remained a co-leader ever since. She has participated actively in fundraisers for food allergy research. Jill speaks frequently at FACT conferences on a variety of topics. She received the Food Allergy Initiative Food Allergy Leadership Award for 2008 and honorable mention for FAN's Muriel C. Furlong Award for Making a Difference in 2008. She was also a food allergy coordinator for a sleepaway camp in Massachusetts for six years. All right, we're going to tip number three, which is one I think every parent has on their mind, (laughs) which is expecting the unexpected, including the underage drinking. Yeah, so it's funny. When I was about two years old, my husband and I attended a food allergy conference, and there was a young woman speaking about her her experiences going to college with food allergies. And she was just very touching and eloquent. And she really, you know, talked about the struggles of of being a a young adult in college with food allergies. And she was so moving that really everybody just sort of had the tears flowing in the whole room. There were about 200 participants and we were all just sort of quietly sniffling. And I looked over at my husband and he had this huge smile on his face. And I was like, what's wrong with you? How could you be so insensitive? Don't you hear what this young woman is going through? And he said, all I heard was, as a college student with food allergies, she can't drink, she can't do drugs, and she can't hook up with strangers. To me, that's a get-out-of-jail-free card for a dad, and I'm going to take that as the first silver lining I've ever seen in this whole food allergy world. Oh so. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> and, and it is true. I think, I think things are different for our kids. As much as we strive to make everything as normal as possible for them, there are certain differences, and they have to be aware of those differences, and I think they are. I mean, through all the kids that I've met through the FACT Teen Conference, 
conferences and other places. I just feel like these teens and young people are a little more responsible than their peers because they've had to be. You know, people ask me that about Maya. I say since she's four years old, she's had to ask people to read the ingredient labels for her. You know, she knows that this is life and death. And, and that sort of knowledge brings great responsibility for these kids. But I, I wanted to mention this to the parents because I think it's important to remember that they're also not angels. So while they're cognizant of the fact that they really don't have the freedom to drink or do drugs or hook up with strangers, they're not going to be perfect and, and things are going to happen. So I think that my advice on this would be for all parents to talk to their students about it before they leave for college. And, you know, obviously we all want to tell them not to do any of this stuff and it's illegal and it's dangerous, but I think we should also try to impress upon the importance of, of moderation if they are going to partake in any of these activities and maybe try to work with them on some strategies for how to handle stuff like this. So I know one of the strategies that came out of one of the teen summits actually was that Sometimes they, the group of friends will go out and they will pick a sort of designated friend, if you will. And that friend agrees for that particular night not to have anything to drink or to do anything that would make them judgment impaired to enable our kids to sort of, quote unquote, feel normal or do the wrong things like other college kids do, because that way they can rely that they have one friend Usually that friend is holding the epinephrine auto-injector for them and keeping an eye on them and making sure they stay safe. So, so something like that is a great strategy they can use. But they also have to remember that not only will alcohol and drugs impair their judgment, but alcohol in particular can actually exacerbate an allergic reaction and make it much worse. So they need to be cognizant of that. And as with anything, they're going to ingest, whether it's eating or drinking, they have to be careful of what's in it. So, you know, I know beer has gluten in it. So any kids with celiac or any sort of, you know, gluten allergy, wheat allergy can't drink most beers. I found out recently that some wine is aged in barrels that have cross-reactivity with some nuts. So they just have to be careful with everything. And like everything else, they just have to be a little more vigilant than their peers. You know, and as a fellow parent of a college student, that was one conversation we did have too, where it was like, you know what, this is uncomfortable for me as your mom, but we got to have this conversation. We need to talk about it. And there is big truth about the labeling on alcohol because the laws that are applied to food do not apply to alcohol. And so we really have to emphasize this with the kids. But I think those are just really important, powerful conversations to have, no matter how uncomfortable we are as a parent. It's going to be there. I don't know of any school where it's just not going to be there. So thank you for that really honest comment and information. I really appreciate that. So now we're going to move on to tip number four. And so this tip is important for all of us food allergy parents to hear. Since we've all spent the last 18 years managing our students' <laughs> food allergy, you know, we've been in charge. So now can you share your experience with your daughter taking the lead on her college planning? You mentioned a little bit of this earlier, but, yeah. you know, we're so used to running the show. Oh my gosh, yes. Well, we have been running the show for them. You know, for some of us, my daughter was first diagnosed with these life-threatening food allergies at nine months old. So like you said, some of us have been doing this for 18 years at this point. And I've always been in charge. I mean, obviously I've been trying to hand over the reins as she gets older for just this reason. I think the most dangerous mistake a food allergy parent can make is to maintain full control for the full 18 years, because then they're not going to be in a position to launch, to leave the nest and go to college. You really have to start transitioning the, um, the responsibility as, as, as young as you feel comfortable and as young as they are you know, 
able to accept. So in terms of talking to waitresses or excuse me, servers or chefs at a restaurant or managers, you know, that kind of thing, the earlier you can start them on that important communication, like you mentioned earlier, Caroline, the the better so that they are starting to get prepared. But that being said, we've always still been in charge, you know, and and I remember we were just talking about this at dinner. I have a son who's two years older and I called him my starter kid because whatever school he got into from nursery school to grade school to middle school to high school, I would then have two years to ingratiate myself into the program and get them ready for Maya. So, you know, really her whole life, I've sort of been two years ahead of her getting the next step ready. And so that being said, I've tried not to get too far ahead of myself. I got some great advice from another food allergy mom at uh, the North American Food Allergy Conference in Toronto, probably about 15 years ago, maybe more. This mom said, don't borrow trouble from the future. And it took me a minute for it sank in. And then I basically tried to live my life by it ever since. And what she meant by that was, if you have a two-year-old that you have to get to nursery school safely tomorrow, then don't worry about how they're going to go to college and how they're going to date and how they're going to get married. Worry about how to get them to nursery school safely tomorrow. And I, I can't stress this enough. I, I don't want you to lose any listeners, but I would say if there's any listeners out there with a two-year-old, they don't belong listening to this podcast because they shouldn't be worrying about college yet if their kid is only two years old. So as she got older and I worried about the next step and the next step, I really sort of put college out of my mind completely. And then as she got closer in the last five years or so, I would say I was aware of all the great work being done by organizations like that and people like you, Caroline. And I thought, well, I don't have to put my energies into that. Somebody else is already dealing with the whole college process. So I will just benefit from all of their hard work and benefit I did. I had lists and I had spreadsheets and I had done all the research and I had really put together even lists of colleges that were known for being very good with food allergies, thanks to all these terrific resources. And I had my list. I think there were maybe about 10 colleges that I felt very strongly, these places can handle her. These places can keep her safe. And so when it was time for her to start looking at colleges, you know, two years or so ago, I was like, here's your list. (laughs) You pick any school on this list. And much to my chagrin, I found out that she did not want that information at all. She said that it was far more important to her to have, again, a typical college experience and to pick the college that she wanted to go to based on activities and academics and having absolutely nothing to do with technology. She did not want to even let that enter her consideration. And she said, Mom, I'm going to pick where I'm going to go based on where I want to go, and then I'm going to make it work. And that is exactly what she did. That is great advice from the person that you met up in Toronto, but from your, your daughter, you know what I mean? Like she, she knows. And I think that's good for us parents to hear too. You know, we can have all these great ideas in our mind, but we have to stay connected with them. Otherwise it just gets sent away. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, Exactly. That's very powerful advice. Jill, the final tip you have for all of us, and I know I've actually looked to you for advice on this. What type of forms and resources do we need? Because our children are now 18. Mm-hmm. But what do we do about power of attorney? Can we see their health records? Can we see their grades? I mean, if that is something that's important in your home, what kind of forms and resources should we all be looking at? 
this is really, really important, and I want to stress this to everybody, and it's not just for food allergy parents. Everything I'm about to talk about we did for my son. Again, my starter kid who went to college two years earlier, we found out about all these forms before he left because they're very important in regard to any student that's going off to college, not just those with food allergies. So what I think is unique to the food allergy student, obviously, is they're going to have a food allergy action plan, um, most likely, hopefully, that sets forth what to do in an emergency if there's a reaction. So that form, hopefully, they've had all their lives. This is not a new form to most of the listeners, I'm sure. And that should absolutely go with them to college. Obviously, it would be helpful for you to keep a copy at home as well. But that one is going to stay with her emergency medicines. She has multiple copies, multiple sets of emergency medicines. And this would be a good time to point out another tip, which is I had her keep one of these little red emergency medical bags containing her epinephrine auto injectors, her inhaler, because sometimes she can have asthma complications and her action plan and some Benadryl and some steroids. And she keeps it all in a little red emergency kit that hangs on the back of her door. So that's not her primary stuff. She has other stuff, but this kit on the back of the door, she showed her roommate where it is and she showed her RA where it is because the RAs can get into rooms and emergencies without, um, without the need for a key. So this way, if she's ever outside her room, and runs into a problem, either her roommate or her RA could run back to the room and grab the bag and know exactly where it is. But So that should absolutely have a copy of an emergency action plan. Because as many of your listeners know, unfortunately, and this is the case with Maya, whenever she's gone in, into anaphylactic shock, she loses consciousness. So she's not going to be in a position to tell somebody what to do to help her. She needs people to know on their own and have a nice emergency action plan to follow. So that form should obviously be there. But also, more importantly, I think for, for the listeners for this going off to college in particular, when your student turns 18, medical professionals are no longer permitted to discuss their health care issues with you. And this is something that many parents don't understand. So that means if your student goes to the hospital for some reason, whether it's food allergy related or not, if you find out they're in the hospital, you try to call the hospital, get information, they will not tell you anything because they cannot by law. And that's because of the Health Insurance Portability and Accountability Act of 1996, which most people refer to as just HIPAA. You might have heard that catchphrase, you know, HIPAA laws. So you want to make sure that your child signs a HIPAA form, which is a waiver that waives their right to privacy and enables medical professionals to speak to the parents. Uh, or whoever the child designates on the form, but particularly in this case, you'll have the parent do it. So that's a really, really important form. A lot of people confuse that form, however, with a medical power of attorney, and that's a second form that you will want as well. A medical power of attorney is a legal document that names you, again, whoever the student chooses, but you're going to have them name you, the parent, as their medical agent. And this enables you to make medical decisions on their behalf if they're unconscious or incapacitated or something. And that's, so it's different. The, the first form, the form will only allow the medical professionals to speak with you. The second form, the medical power of attorney, allows you to make decisions about their, their medical care. So they're both really, really important. And it's funny, I found this out again when I started with my starter kid when I took him to school. I called the local university hospital where, where he goes to school, and I said, I'd like to give you guys copies of the HIPAA form and the power of attorney form. But what I found out is until your child has actually been to the hospital, they cannot accept the forms because they have no record of your child. There's no record to put it in. So 
Good to know. That was important to find out. I do recommend that you bring these forms as well as the emergency action plan to the student health center, though. And it was interesting. They were very lovely there. We went, you know, the, during orientation and we dropped off all the forms and explained uh, about her food allergies. But they had a very valid point, which is if she, God forbid, has an allergic reaction, she's not coming here to student health. She's going to the ER. So, so they took the forms, but there wasn't really much they could do with them. So, so what's important about the forms is you want to keep the originals at home and you want to have copies with your child. It's great if you have your child take a picture of them and put it on their phone. So if they forget to carry the copies, it's okay. It's great if maybe the roommate has a copy. So um, you can make sure that, again, if your child is unconscious, somebody can get the medical professional's copies of these forms. And then once they've been to the hospital, like she has now, you can give the forms to the hospital because now they have a file for her. So um, that was actually very helpful with her having that reaction is that we were able to uh, see on, on a lot of reasons why it, we called it our test case. And we were able to, to make a lot of important decisions after that happened. But there's one last form that I'll mention. Again, this doesn't have to do specifically with food allergies, but this is a power of attorney that enables you to get information about their grades, to deal with their finances, et cetera. So this is not a medical power of attorney. This is just a, what's called a durable power of attorney that enables you to uh, check in with them financially, academically, see what's going on and talk to the professionals about them. Again, because if if you didn't have that form signed by your student, the school would not be allowed to discuss any of that with you. I've heard a lot of people get pushback from their teens on these forms, and uh, the great response is, okay, then I won't pay for college, because bottom line is, if you're not signing these forms, you're not going. I think those are extremely important forms. So what we're going to do for our listeners is get from you links to where people can find copies and understand where they can find these if it's different in every state. Actually, that does bring me to that question there. Does it differ state by state, like the medical power of attorney? It does, actually. And what we did, and this may be overkill, but we just, I couldn't get a clear answer in the law. It seemed like the closest thing I got to a clear answer was that it should be the form of residence, excuse me, the form for the state of residence. So since she's a New Yorker, it would be a New York form. In her case, she's going to school in New York, so it didn't matter. But in my son's case, he was going to school in Illinois. I filled out both forms. I just thought it was better to be safe than sorry. I didn't want to fill out a New York form and then find out I should have had an Illinois form. Um, the forms are uh, very easy to get. There's, there's a website, that maplebear.com, that... Um, has all these forms on it. They're very easy to get. They're very inexpensive and you can just fill them out yourself and notarized. Thank you. Very important information. So Jill, for our final question, do you have any tips for our parents of these freshly minted college freshmen? I do. I do. And it's going to be the hardest tip to hear, but it's the most important one of all. And that's just take a deep breath, relax and let them go. You know, you've spent your entire life training them for this. You really have. You've trained them how to prevent, how to recognize, how to respond to an allergic reaction, how to care for themselves, how to train others around them, how to communicate, how to advocate for themselves. You've been getting them ready for this moment for 18 years, and they're ready. So just let them go. They've got this. You know, I echo that completely. My son is now graduated from undergrad and he's getting ready to head out to graduate school. So looking back, I have to agree because we really are preparing them. I mean, just anyone who's listening today, you're preparing them. I know that's the kind of parent you are. Mm -hmm. And so we really are preparing them and teaching them and we have to give them that chance to take that knowledge and to go. And I'd also like to reiterate when you uh, the tip that you talked about 
about, you know, let them speak to servers in restaurants. You know, start giving them responsibilities. For my son, the summer before he left on his freshman year, we made sure he managed all his dental appointments. Mm -hmm. He figured out how to find the dentist's office, how to pay, how to follow up how to fill out medical forms, you know, very simple things, how to, you know, manage the grocery store and iron. He loves to iron still. It's kind of odd. But, <laughs> but, well, maybe he likes ironing that special pillowcase you sent him to college. <laughs> That's right. And, and for listeners, I like jokes. And so when my son headed off on his freshman year, I had a special pillowcase made of my entire face. So as we were moving him in, I slid it on. <laughs> I so, <laughs> yeah, when he got into bed the first night, there was his big mom <laughs> right there. And and that's something, too, is have fun. I mean, it, it really is fun. We really get uh, intense because this is our moment. I mean, other than kindergarten, I don't know any other time when we have the biggest let go. And so, you know, this is the time. But it's important to have fun with it, too. And to know, honestly, they really do make it through. I don't know of a single student with food allergies, you know, within our group of friends and, you know, people we know through, you know, fact and other groups and so forth that didn't do well. They, they really do. They really land on their feet. So Absolutely. thank you, Jill, so much for your time. Thank you for your wisdom. There's still so many more conversations I think we're going to have on college. <laughs> so I hope to have you back on the show, but thank Anytime. you for just sharing your experiences. Oh, thank you so much for having me. It was really terrific to get to see you and to get to speak to your listeners. So thanks. Wonderful. You're welcome. And we'll see you again. Thank you all for listening to Facts Roundtable podcast. Stay tuned for future episodes coming soon. Please subscribe, share and review our podcast and be sure to connect with us on social media. You can find us on Apple podcast, iTunes, Google podcast, iHeartRadio and Spotify. Have a great day and always be kind to one another.